started by sharing about the worst part of being a youth pastor for me, and that was being the, wor- the worst part of being a youth pastor was high school graduation. Now I'm going to tell you the worst part for me about being a parent. You ready? The worst part about being a parent is seeing your kids suffer. Amen. <laughs> that was an uncontroversial take, too, I think, Matthew. Uh, but as parents, like anytime your kids, is, you think they're going through a hard time or there's something rough, like it is difficult as a parent who loves our kids to see suffering. So, uh, so as we think about that, last week we talked about Abraham being called to sacrifice his son Isaac. Unfortunately, the Lord intervened. Um, so today, if you've ever been... If you've ever been surrounded by problems, if you've ever felt left out or mocked or like you're not enough, this is really, I think, a helpful story for us human beings who go through these kind of issues. We're going to start with Sarah. Abraham and Sarah, last week we talked about how God gave Sarah a child when she was 90 years old. It was Isaac, the child of the promise. But what we didn't say last week was that Abraham already had a child without Sarah. Today we're going to get into that story. And we're going to start in Genesis 16, 1 through 2. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go, sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abraham agreed to what Sarai said. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. Now right here, this is one time that Abram should not have listened to his wife. Agreed? Agreed, right? So this story is crazy, isn't it? This, this story just is hard to grasp what exactly is happening. But they had apparently gotten pretty frustrated. And so they decided, Abraham and Sarah, we're going to call them Abraham and Sarah, even though at this time they went by Abram and Sarai, their names hadn't been changed, but to try to keep it simple, we're just going to stick with that. They had had this promise that God was going to provide children, and then God did nothing. Sarah went without having children, and it seemed like God wasn't coming through, so they decided to give God a little bit of help. They gave him a little bit of push. And Sarah came up with an idea. Hey, maybe since I'm not able to have a baby, maybe if you, you can have a baby with my slave. And so Abraham did not object. One thing I want to point out here is that the way that Sarah refers to her slave, she just calls her my slave. Her name was Hagar. We know that from other. And this is something I want to point out that's just really not good that Sarah does. Sarah and Abraham are people who are an example of faith in so many ways. But just like all of us, they had times where they didn't do it right. And this is one of those examples. And you see some of the issue that Sarah has here by not even calling uh, Hagar by name, but just by the label, my slave. She reduces her to an object. I want to point out that a lot of times when people really want to justify violence and abuse... You can reduce somebody to a label instead of a name, a person with a a story, a background. 
So again, this is, this is something that she did that's really out of bounds here. She, she, we're, we're seeing warts and all right now. Um, Jesus warned us against this. And this great teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, he gets through, he says, Do not judge, lest you want to be judged. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And, it, and after he finishes up saying, Don't judge. Like, take the, take the plank out of your eye before you take the speck out of your brother's eye. Then right after that, that's the context, not judging. He says in Matthew 7, 6, Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under your feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Now, this sometimes is just taken to, to be don't share your information with people who are inferior to you. Like, be careful. And I think there is some be careful with who you're sharing with in here. But also, within the context of not judging, I think there's a warning here about labeling, too. If you consider somebody a dog and you're really trying to give something that you think is a great pearl of wisdom, it's probably not going to be well-received. Or think about it from the other way. If somebody doesn't respect you, if they treat you as an inferior, like they are on high just telling you something wonderful— and you're, you're just below them, it's not going to be well-received. So, as we're pointing this out here, the, the problem with calling Hagar my slave, uh, I want to mention here, Sundays, uh, Abraham and Sarah aren't just marble statues who are saints in a museum, but they are people who had real-life struggles like we do. They got it right a lot of times, they got it wrong sometimes. And this is obviously a story where they're getting it wrong. They take it. Abraham listens. He shouldn't have. They, they, they take this shortcut. But people just have vices and virtues. Um, I don't, do, do you guys know anybody who's perfect? I, I've known a few people who are perfect from a distance. Maybe like a Monet. But if you really get to know people, I, I just don't think I know anybody who's perfect. Like you just get like, like we have these things and just to make a hero out of Abraham and Sarah, which there's a lot to learn from, but, but people are really complicated. And, and I think it just shows the humanity because again, they thought God wasn't keeping his promise. So they had to manufacture one. And you know what ended up happening as a result of all of this effort? It wasn't good. Genesis sixteen three through four tells us. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Shocker, right? (laughs) Isn't it a shocker that this love triangle, everybody wasn't just happy with each other and all these relationships were great? Oh, Hagar, congratulations. You had a baby and not me. And isn't how how can we possibly foresee a problem here, right? Now this this problem is very these strained relationships are very predictable. We could see all the strain. And Jesus was really clear about teaching monogamy in relationships. And it's not just because God is a prude or you know, God is against sex. God sex was God's idea. Amen. And the grumpy Sunday, that's a good thing, right? God came up with sex. It's a good thing. But when Jesus taught really, really strongly on the boundaries of monogamy, 
And here we see Abraham and Sarah violating it, as did a lot of people in Genesis. And here we see some of the consequences that happen. Uh, These relationships are spiraling out because boundaries, the boundaries that God puts into relationships are actually helpful. They may not always seem convenient, but when God has a boundary and we respect it, it actually helps us and leads to freedom. And when they get violated, now things can really spin out of control. And that's what what happened here. I want to say at this point, please, no one have a shame spiral here. Please don't go into, like there may be past regrets. Pretty much all of us have issues with sexuality, regrets, problems, difficulties. So the point of this is not to send anybody into shame or regret land. Let's stop that right there if that's going on. But this is just to point out that Abraham and Sarah blew it. Like, like we all know what it's like to blow it. They blew it. They needed forgiveness and they needed to figure out repentance. So they were, they were people who crossed the lines, violated the boundaries, sinned. They're left with the fallout now. What's going to happen now in the future? We got this disaster happening. Let's see if it gets any better. Genesis 16.5. Isn't this at least an interesting topic for Grumpy Sunday? Can't we say that? It's, it's at least not boring. The story's not boring. I might be boring, but the story's not. Then Sarai said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Again, Abraham should not have listened. Like this, I mean, it's, this is about 4,000 years ago, so we can kind of laugh now, right? This situation, it's, it's not good. Sarah, it was Sarah's idea, now she's blaming Abraham for it. Blame, and like that's been going on since the garden. It's a human thing. It's not a woman thing. It's just something that people do. Hey, I have this wrong. Abraham's getting blamed now. Uh, everyone's in a mess. Abraham's in this no-win situation himself, you know, because we have three people in this love triangle. Uh, Sarah's not talking to him right here. And if he talks to Hagar, he's going to be even in more trouble with Sarah, don't you think? Could you imagine what she said? I swear, if you so much as look at her one more time, talk to her. So we know that Hagar and Sarah are not getting along. They're mistreating each other. They resent each other. Things are not going well. Let's see what happens here. Genesis 16.6. Your slave is in your hands. Abraham again, just saying slave, label. Abraham said, Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar. She fled from her, so she fled from her. Disaster. This is just so disastrous right now. This is not something that can be cleaned up easily. This is not something where one apology can be made and everybody just goes back and everybody lived happily ever after. Like this is people are hurt It's complicated. There's a lot of entanglements here. It's really difficult. And in fact, it got so bad for Hagar. She had nothing. Probably a lot of people turned, oh, she thinks she used to be one. She thinks she's so special now. So Hagar just has seemingly no one else to turn to now. It gets so bad for her that she, as a pregnant woman, decides to flee by herself into the desert. Like how bad does it have to get to make that decision? 
really bad for her. Now, fortunately for Hagar, there was a spring in the desert. So she was able to go and get water. We believe, last week we talked about Yahweh Yaira or Jehovah Jireh, how God is our provider, and God was providing for Hagar. Genesis 16, 7 through 8, the angel of the Lord. No one, no one else was there but the Lord. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shut. And he said, Hagar, son of Sarai, slave of Sarai, where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress Sarai, she answered. Sarah had called Hagar what? Anybody remember? I know. Slave, right? My slave. What does the angel of the Lord call Hagar? Yeah. He acknowledges that she's, she's a slave of Sarai, but he starts with her name. Like Sarai and Abraham weren't calling her by name, but here the angel of the Lord calls her by name. He recognizes who she is. Hagar ran from Sarah, ran from that situation, but she couldn't run from God. She couldn't run from the Lord, no matter where she went. And this is something that's just really awesome about the Lord the God who's over everything. It reminds me so much of something that would be written hundreds of years, about a thousand years, at least 800 or so years later, by a guy named David. As he's writing Psalms, Psalm 139, he expresses this beautiful thought about God and, and who God is and what God does. So in Psalm 139, David tells us, Where can I go? From your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I say, Surely the darkness will hide me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. And if Hagar was reading this, it came after her, she could add, If I run away to the desert, surely you are there. You are with me. There's this great idea about the Lord, that there's no way we can run away. Whatever shame is going on, whatever, if we're in the desert, everybody else has forsaken us. But the Lord, we cannot run away from the Lord, that the Lord is there. Genesis, picking back up to that story, Genesis 16, 9 through 11. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. You are not pregnant, and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard your misery. When no one else saw Sarah, the Lord saw Sarah. I'm sorry, when no one else saw Hagar, the Lord saw Hagar. No one else but God. He saw her. He heard her, her misery. Genesis sixteen thirteen. it says this. And this, this is one of, I think, one of my favorite names for God. Hagar gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. 
this point, I, I just wondered how long it had been since anyone had really seen Hagar. I mean, I doubt that Sarah's and Abraham's place was a real safe place for her to share her burdens, her pain, all that she had gone through with this difficult situation for her and for everybody. I mean, she was called slave by the people who who claimed ownership of her. Was she really seen? (laughs) And here we see that she recognized God as the God who sees her. He had seen her pain. To the outcasts on her knees, the Lord revealed himself to, Sarah, to Hagar as El Roy, the God who sees. And this isn't a God who's just looking to catch you in something, but the God who sees pain, the God who sees what it's like to be us, the God who sees what we're going through. Maybe the silent suffering that, that Hagar had experienced and, and a lot of us. Have you ever felt outcast in some way? Like you were the one on the outside looking in? Have you ever felt rejected? Like you were on the outside of a group? Maybe it was in your family. Maybe it was at school or at work or by society in some way. Have you ever felt unseen? Like nobody really cared what you were going through. You were invisible with where you were at. Nobody really understood what you were going through. Have you ever been maybe labeled in some way, labeled in a way that other people labeled you as a joke, a loser, worthless. If you've ever felt that way, I think Hagar would know what that feels like to you. And I think the Lord gets that too. And he is God. God is Elroy, the God who sees you. The God who saw Hagar in her pain, knowing that she wasn't alone. He was going, and when we suffer, this story says we're not alone in our suffering. There, there's hope. There's, there's help. We're not alone. There's help. And uh, the Lord helped Hagar. He didn't take away all of her problems. He didn't just go, go to perfect immediately. Nothing like that happened. But he was there to help her every step of the way. We learn here, too, that God is a God who wants to bless. That is his desire. God wants to bless. We looked earlier at how God blessed Abraham and promised descendants. But God also promised descendants to Hagar. He promised her that. This morning, I just want to ask, maybe what's the spirit of the Lord saying to you? That's what really matters. What is the Lord saying to you? We're all at different places in life. We all have different issues, different situations, different things happening, different emotions, different thoughts, different struggles, different joys. But what is it that the Spirit of the Lord is saying to you? There's nowhere we can run from the Lord. What is he saying to you? I, I hope one of them is if you feel outcast. I pray that that you see God as the God who sees you, the God who welcomes you in, the God who who knows and understands and is there to provide whatever it is that that you need. I'll tell you you what I feel here. I'm really, again, hoping that people feel valued and loved. But the, the other one is that I'm hoping that if we feel seen, 
that we make a point to help other people feel seen too, that we see people for who they are, that we look at people, and, and it, it takes a whole group of people doing it because one individual can't do it by themselves. But, I, but I, that's one of the things God is saying, see somebody. If, can you imagine what God could do from a group of people that could really see others? So you are not an object. You are not a label. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Years before Abraham had a son, he received this promise in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. After years of disappointments where this wasn't happening, it says in Genesis 15.5, another promise. Genesis 15.5, the word of the Lord took Abram outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Now, it's our faith that one of those stars have been lit for me. One of those stars was lit for you. We are blessed. We are blessed through Christ to be a blessing to others. So this blessing, it was not only for Isaac, but there was also a blessing for Hagar and her son. Let's look at that in Genesis seventeen twenty. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. The Lord is the Lord who blesses. Will you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. In the book of Genesis, God revealed himself as Elohim, God, the creator, Yahweh, the Lord of Israel, El Elyon, God most high, Adonai, the Lord, El Shaddai, the God who can meet all needs, Yahweh, Yaira, God, our provider, Elroy, the God who sees, From generation to generation, from age to age, God has revealed himself with the hope of blessing. God is the same yesterday and today and forever. And through Jesus Christ, God revealed himself as our heavenly father who so loved us that he was willing to do the most difficult thing that a parent could ever do, see their child suffer. That is our God.